This is a HeadGum Podcast. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Two, three, four. If you're looking for advice from a real girl who might not have the answers, but goddamn she'll try just a tip and you'll be on your way. With Megan Batoon on Friday. Welcome to another episode of Just a Tip, a tangential advice podcast hosted by me, Megan Batoon. I learned most of everything I know from a playlist I made called YouTube University. It is private, so you will never know what I don't know. That's why I have a friend here to help me help you. Kevin Lieber, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I want to learn so much just from being next to you. Do you think this is possible? Uh, like through some sort of osmosis or yeah. something? Where... Just proximity. <laughs> yeah. By yeah. proxy. Just, you know, getting... <laughs> like knowledge pheromones get exchanged. Totally. Yeah. <gasps> Have you ever heard of that? Like uh, pheromone dating? Uh, you know, I did a um, a video for BuzzFeed years ago, actually, uh-huh. that was about uh, couples trying to smell their... Yeah. The, the shirts of their loved ones and, and whether or not they could tell, you know, through the musk. But, right. you know, <laughs> the idea was about pheromones and a lot of them could. Yeah. Could, yeah. Well, it's isn't it funny that like people smell like people sometimes because we like musk our, or we mask ourselves with what cologne and perfume and washing ourselves. But like someone that hasn't showered in a couple of days or like someone that was been on set or like in the garden all day and then they smell more like them. Like when you smell your hair that. Okay. Have you ever smelled your hair? Well, yeah. I mean, (laughs) bathing, like, I don't know where we're going at this point, but like, like bathing every day is not, that's kind of a pretty new thing. That's not a thing that like humans did forever, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, we didn't have showers, we didn't have bathtubs, we didn't have running water for 99.9% of human existence. Right. So, you know, you would just shave or shave. Well, shaving well, yeah, too, yeah, like any of that, that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's all pretty new. So, I mean, I think we're all kind of still figuring it out. I was walking by someone this morning in a cafe and they smelled like human. And I was like, that's different. Isn't that crazy that smelling like a human is not the normal thing now? No, it's not. Yeah, you, you're totally right. Um, and uh, there is science behind like people getting more attracted by the actual yeah. smell of of For your body. Real. Yeah. When I smell someone I like, I'm like I my brain cries. <laughs> your brain like, cries? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, but your genes are like, yay, yeah, they're yeah, dancing. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, let's procreate." <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, love the smell of a good crush. All right, well, (laughs) you guys may know Kevin from hosting videos on Vsauce 2's YouTube channel talking science, technology, and everything that makes my brain also cry. But after a quick internet stalk, we found out that two of your most vivid memories of your high school friends involve them eating a lot of lunch meat? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, that is the most rant. You just dug up some, like, old tweet about that, huh? (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a friend, um, Steve Carlson, who... Steve Carlson! Man, he could just, he could mow Put down <laughs> some lunch meat. Yeah, like, you know, you go to, over to a friend's house, maybe you haven't been to before. Okay. And you kind of see them in their element. <laughs> and, I, and we're having <laughs> lunch, and I'm sitting layer. there, and I'm like, dude, 
you just put like a pound of that's how much turkey that you're going to eat in like one thing. I'm like a two slices kind of guy, you know, two, like that's enough. Two slices in your mouth or two slices on a piece of bread or what are we talking? Yeah, are we on eating? the bread. Like I'm talking like just making a sandwich. Oh, you know? so he made a, a sandwich that was like leaning tire pizza style. Like, yeah, like really. like New York deli where you get the thing and yeah. it's just like kind of gross, but also <laughs> in a good way, I guess. Sure. <laughs> well, have you ever seen someone eat a, a piece of lunch meat that they hold it, I guess, uh, vertically so that it's like facing you? And then they just inhale through their mouth and it like, it slurps up into their mouth. (laughs) No, that sounds disgusting. It's a Twitter trend. (laughs) Okay. Well, maybe we'll have to do that after the show. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Since uh, this is, this is a tip show though. uh, Do you have a tip on lunch meat? No, no. But I was just thinking, you know, how embarrassing would it be if you were making an Instagram video trying to inhale meat, but you actually start choking Mm. and it's like... Well, you know, l- luckily someone's there to give you the Heimlich and everything's okay. But afterwards right. you have to explain like, yeah, I almost died trying to breathe turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Me every time I go out to lunch. I feel like that's when people get hurt, though, is when we're just messing around. Like, Yeah. Have you ever seen the Twitter that's called like Why Women Live Longer? No, but I uh, love this. It's so good. It's always just videos of like men or like younger boys doing something that is like, please don't do that. Like I'm getting nervous just watching you like roll down this mountain in a tractor tire. I love this. It's awesome. (laughs) It's awesome. I'm honestly, I own the Twitter account. I wish. (laughs) Well, although I do wish this was a podcast about people rolling in tires. It is an advice show. People write into us with their sticky situations and we do our best to help them out, uh, maybe giving them some two cents of what we found did or did not work for us. Are you ready to help someone who is 28 years old? Yes, I will put on my my dear Abby hat. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That's the only like advice person I can I could think of. Yeah, it's people. Yeah, they say that or they say um, Frasier. Oh, um, yeah. Who else gives advice that's been in the tradition? In like media? pop culture? Uh, Ask Ashley from uh, All That. Is it? It's called Ask Ashley? Oh, Amanda Bynes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ask Ashley. They're bringing that back. Yeah. All That is coming back. Yeah. Amanda Bynes was the shit on All That. They, they, there were a bunch of really talented. I mean, Keenan Thompson then obviously yeah. went on to do SNL for 37 years. So. Right. I get is All That was essentially like an adolescent SNL. Because it was like sketches and... Yeah, I think Roundhouse was their first, was Snick's oh. first. We're like deep diving into like, yeah. like Nickelodeon lore. But I think that <laughs> Roundhouse was their first attempt at Saturday Night Live. Roundhouse? I don't I've know how long that. that lasted. And then they pivoted into all that. And you had like, oh. what's her name? Like Mary Beth Denberg and... Um, oh, right, right. The the, the right. younger Pete. Oh, yeah. Pete and this Pete. Roundhouse logo looks a lot like the all that logo. Yeah, was that, I wonder. Was that a rebrand? This was 1992. This was one year after I was born. Comedy sketches for teens. How crazy that like those shows didn't last, but SNL is still on the air. Well, I mean, I think that that's almost entirely attributed to Lorne Michaels. Right. I think that Lorne Michaels is an absolute genius mm-hmm. and a total king of television. Totally. And he has. Just kind of like dragged that show through the decades, right? Kind of by himself. I mean, not obviously by himself, but I think largely, if it weren't for him, sure, that show would have been gone. That show would have been gone in the seventies. Like I think it was supposed to get canceled almost immediately. Whoa! Um, like Seinfeld. Like Seinfeld was another show, right? That 
was canceled. Like nobody liked it. And no, some like liked. one person at NBC was like, right. actually, I think this show might be kind of good. Yeah. And they were like, okay. And then it went on to be, you know, one of the most successful shows of all time. Right. You just need one person to believe in you. Mm-hmm. Lady Gaga. That's advice number one. <laughs> just you- someone in your corner. Yeah. And not- advice number two is you being that person. <laughs> yeah. You believe in yourself. Right. I think that's a difficult feat in this world. Okay, enough of SNL and other shows alike. Here goes question numero uno. I'm 28 years old. I started dating this guy five months ago, and on paper, he checks all of my boxes. My dilemma is we don't really have the same interests. I'm a nerdy chick. I love reading comics and watching superhero movies, and he doesn't. He tried getting into it, but I don't want to force my hobbies on him. I feel like my nerdy side is missing out on someone who would be into all of my quirks, and it's making me second-guess my relationship. Am I reading in too much to this? Or should I be with someone who I can share my nerdy side with? From nerding out. Whoa! Have you ever dated someone that you just didn't click with because they weren't into the same hobbies that you had, or they didn't like science or technology or anything (laughs) that you like? No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing for me to wrap my head around because it's like <laughs> I can't fathom. Well, yeah, how did you start dating to begin with? What right. like what what common ground, okay, did you find initially to mm-hmm. make you come together? I think that's probably where you'd want to start is figuring out what it is that you do love about each other. Right. And maybe the things that are just hobbies can be can be separate hobbies and that's okay. Right. Well, I think that's super important to have your own hobbies and your own friend group and your own time away from someone you're dating. Like, I, in my experience, I, I'm, I'm so all or nothing. I, maybe it's because I'm an Aries, but like there's no way that I could half-ass anything, especially a relationship. So I go full deep dive in and I feel like that's not healthy. And I think in my next relationship, I'll be like, got to have me time, got to have my friend time and got to have like... There, there's a thing called the artist way, and it's like you take yourself on artist dates whenever uh, you can. Like once a week, you have to do one thing for yourself. No one can come along with it. So, like, say you love, like, what do you love to do? Um, Your favorite hobby ever. My favorite hobby ever. Um, I, I just like to play video games. Honestly, that's how I unwind. Yeah. Do you play them by yourself? Like, uh, I mean, obviously you have to play other people on the game, but like around you, do you? Have no, other people? no. So, so uh, my wife and I will play. Uh, co-op games together okay and then if i am like unwinding by myself like as the artist's way sure like, i've never heard of this before it's but like it's a little interesting. workbook that yeah. basically is supposed to re-spark your creativity when you feel like you're plateauing okay yeah then i will play like one player games where uh yeah i'm just by myself yeah so that's supposed to be Every, I guess every week you're supposed to take yourself on an artist date and you're not allowed to bring anyone, like your best friend, your wife, anyone. No one's allowed to come. This is like your sacred time. Uh, and I think that you do need that. So I don't know if like him needing to love the same things that you love is that important as long as you both love each other. Yeah, it, it could be a thing. good way to to slice out that that and carve out that time where it's like, all right, you know, he's going to watch his golf or whatever he's liking to do. And I'll watch my uh, superhero movie <laughs> and then, you know, we'll come back together and have dinner and and, right. and be a couple again. After then that. you have like stuff to talk about, too. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had that happen where like you do everything with your significant other to where you don't have anything to talk about? Like when you're like, oh, how was your day? But you were with each other all day. And so you are just like, OK, well, 
we I guess we need a little bit of time apart so we can bring <laughs> something fresh into here. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I work so much yeah. that, you know, I always have kind of like that to talk about. But at the same time, it's like, is that, am I boring my wife right, by right. just kind of like lamenting the, the, the problems or issues that I had during the day? You know, it's, it's fun when I have exciting news to share. Totally. Uh, but when it's like, here's all the things that went wrong today, yeah. it's like, well, that's not a lot of fun. <laughs> I know. that's I That happens a lot in my friend group, too. And lately, I've been doing this thing. Well, I don't have a name for it. It sounded like I was going to like call it a segment. But I guess it could be called like perspective flip or something or like make it better. I think I would call it make it better. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad we figured that out. <laughs> Thank you for being here during such a trying time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my friend or I will be complaining about something and then I'll say, okay, cool, totally hear you. But also now let's flip it and what is good about it? Or like, what did you learn from it? What can we take from it? What is the nugget of silver lining? Right. And I love that game. Yeah, because everything is and should be, it has the opportunity to be a learning moment. You know, this is something that I've talked about on my podcast, The Create Unknown, before, Mm -hmm. is that I think that a lot of creative people or just people in general get bogged down a lot in in failures and things that didn't go right. Right. And honestly, that is really a teaching moment and a learning moment. Every failure is an opportunity to do something different next time that Mm -hmm. will will hopefully, you know, lead to a better outcome or maybe a successful outcome, ideally. But either way... Uh, to get kind of like bogged down and mired in a failure isn't productive. Like no. you'd say, it's not, that's not going to help you at all. Right. But what will help you is figuring out the the make it better angle. Yeah, so. make it better, make it better. <laughs> that's the jingle. Uh, in terms of this person's relationship, if she does see that it's totally worth working on and she does want to introduce her introduce him into her life of like what she likes of these uh, the nerdy quote-unquote nerdy stuff that she uh self-titled what would be a good I guess intro for a film for someone that doesn't like uh nerdy or sci-fi or any type of fantasy movies to like watch together in your experience like what's your favorite here's like a taste of of nerdville (laughs) here's a taste of nerdville (laughs) Step right up. Here's a taste of Nerdville. <laughs> Have a big old gallon helping of it. Uh, you're just like a big, big gulp of nerd juice. Um, oh I don't know what's happening. Uh, <laughs> I think maybe a TV show, like a Netflix show, is Ooh. probably better than a movie. Yeah. Because it's easier to get, to get invested in a show. There's more character development. More things happen. There are cliffhangers and you can't wait to see what happens, you know, mm. tomorrow. And it gives you kind of like a longer experience with yeah, your yeah, significant yeah. other so that you can spend, you know, a couple of weeks on something right. rather than sitting down on a Friday night to watch some movie for an hour and a half or two. And eh, I didn't like that. It's totally. Like, well, OK, now what? <laughs> <laughs> now what? Uh, I love that. So wait, uh, what's on Netflix? Uh, Black Mirror. That would be was that be a good one for someone that doesn't like? I mean, it's not really that nerdy, but like, I love Black Mirror. Yeah, it's, it's a little techy and a little me. sci-fi. You know, I, I would say if she wants to get him into comic books, okay, you know, you'd want to probably try some of the Marvel Netflix shows. So, like Punisher. Okay, if he likes violence, mm-hmm. check out the Punisher. That's a comic <laughs> book show that is ultra violent and really gritty and dark, right? And not like you know 
glossy and dramatic and like capes and tights. Sure. It's not that kind of superhero. It's, you know, John Bernthal like stabbing people. Sure. Like, that's if one that's type not a selling of selling point. <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. What's a someone was mentioning something the other day. Oh, heroes. Do you have you seen that show? No, no. That was um that was an NBC show Is that back right? in the day, I think. Yeah, that's oh. not like a recent show, but that was super popular. Okay. I think before, that that was sort of at the beginning, I think, of this kind of like uh, revitalization of superheroes into pop culture. Got it. Yeah. And then there's one more, um, Ozark. A lot of people talk it's about great. Ozark. It is. Yes. Okay, I've never seen any of them because my threshold for scariness is solo. I like the, I'm... Well, Ozark isn't... First of all, it's not superheroes. Okay. And it's not horror. It's Well, here's the thing. It okay. doesn't need to be horror. So what name something that it shouldn't me? be scary, but it is to you. Ooh, okay. Well, anytime anything jumps out, that's number one. Even if it's just like a character being introduced and I didn't know they were there. Even if it's like a fluffy bunny rabbit, you're like, oh my God, don't kill me, fluffy bunny rabbit, because you jumped. <laughs> yeah, if it's too close <laughs> to me and too quick, I will jump. <laughs> But what's something that is, I mean, I always go back to Disturbia. Like, that's not that scary, but it is scary, right? Yeah. Okay. So I don't think that you'd be scared of Ozark. Really? It's not like monsters and stuff. It's more in the vein of like a Breaking Bad kind of show. Where okay, because I couldn't like... watch Breaking Bad either. Okay. Well, then we're going to pass on <laughs> Ozark. Because <laughs> I loved Black Mirror. Like, I love the conceptual nature of it. I just couldn't get on board when it got too intense mm-hmm. of like... The uh, one of my favorite episodes of it is I think it's called USS Callister. Um, and I was just so freaked out because it was so messed up that it could actually be real. Right, right. Yeah. When when Breaking Bad was on, uh, my my sister was a really big fan. I was a really big fan. So we would always talk about the episodes you uh-huh. know, afterwards. And she had such a guttural reaction to that show where she would be kind of like emotionally wiped out for the next day Whoa. because she was so kind of connected to, you know, the characters and everything. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. it's, a sh- it's just a show. I mean, I know... <laughs> It's an effective show. Sure. You know, that's the point is you're supposed to kind of relate to and vicariously experience what's going on on screen. That's why people like right. watching shows and movies. Yeah. That's the whole point. <laughs> to be uh, wiped out afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Just to feel miserable. And, no. <laughs> <laughs> and check. Right. Next. I think we did great. How do you feel about our advice? Um, I hope it was helpful. Uh, I mean, there were a couple of nuggets in there that may be useful, but, you know. Yeah, that's what I like about this podcast. You really got to glean for some sort of truth. You got to sift the riverbed for that little tiny glint of gold. Yeah. I think that your advice of a Netflix show is a really good idea for her question of sharing a nerdy side. I really like that. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. Also, another tip for Netflix shows, if you want to get into one that's not scary or I guess too nerdy, uh, but is very good, is Schitt's Creek. Have you watched or heard of that? I have. I haven't watched a bunch of it. Um, I remember it 
when it first came out, it was on a weird channel called like Pop or something. Yes, right. Right? Right. So on Netflix, it still has the Pop logo. Okay. But I don't know what Pop is. I don't think anybody does. Okay. Well. Yeah. I, I think it's a brand of like like uh, diet popcorn, but I don't know how like. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> skinny Pop. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I've gotten bulk bags of Skinny Pop, which I feel like defeats the purpose sort of, of. diet popcorn. Yeah, if you eat four pounds of it, it's yeah. like, well, maybe it's not so healthy anymore. <laughs> Okay, question number two. We do not know how old this person is. So let's just guess an age. How old do you um, think they might be before we even read it? Uh, 31. Okay, this person is 31. I'm in a bit of a bind. My parents are both huge academics and work in science-related fields. They want me to do well in school. Okay, so maybe not 31, but maybe. Yeah. You could be. Going back to school. That's like right. Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> But I have never considered education my strong suit. It's not that I don't want to learn. I'm just really bad at studying. Do you have any advice on how to make learning interesting? <gasps> this is a perfect question for you. I want to be able to talk to them about science, but I don't know where to start. From science issues. Watch Vsauce 2 on YouTube. No. Totally. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, this is really kind of what I try to do. Yeah. And the way that I try to do it is turning learning into a story. Ah. Because that's how we learn. That that's that's the oldest form of verbal communication and passing down knowledge was through storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, before that, probably song came first, maybe. But now I'm getting into the weeds a little bit. I, <laughs> I, I, like I, the I love music learning. and I love stories, so let's keep going. But I mean, that's one of the reasons that that doing things like this podcast is so popular and mm -hmm. so exciting is that we learn really well from each other by talking. Yeah. You know, because we would sit around the campfire or whatever in our clans and and have teachable moments where we would, you know, talk about the stories from the ancestors and the, those stories were parables for some way to like l l go through life successfully. Right. So I think that at a fundamental level, that's where learning happens and that's the easiest way to learn because I'm the same way like I didn't perform spectacularly in school because just kind of like reading memorizing and regurgitating was right. really an effective learning mechanism for me yeah I it don't know for anything some, from high but... school that's why I have YouTube <laughs> University right Do, uh, uh, I was talking to a friend the other day I think yesterday about it and we were Wondering how to get people to remember stuff that we are taught in high school because, you know, we didn't have to pay for it. So we didn't really take it that seriously. And mm -hmm. we just want to socialize and we just kind of are going because we have to versus when you get to college, this is costing you a lot if you don't show up. And if you don't like pay attention, it's only hurting yourself. So I feel like if I would have paid more attention in high school, I would do so much better in just talking or in comedy or in anything because we can pull from all of these things that we remember, but I don't remember anything. I also have a terrible memory. But my seventh grade history teacher, I don't love history because I can never remember it. Mm -hmm. And it's different when things happen to you. You know, like when you have a visceral experience or an immersive experience, you won't forget. Like we were alive when 9-11 happened, but we weren't alive. I mean, I wasn't alive when all these, like when any of our presidents died or when Pearl Harbor happened like I don't know because I wasn't alive mm -hmm. but and I it's crazy that we have to read these history books but it's also like it's just history but we don't think that it's real I mean like we know it's real but it, it didn't happen to us right. so we don't understand fully the 
I guess, gravitas of all of it. We just know that it happened and we, we understand like on a molecular level that it did. But when you experience, nine, I mean, I wasn't at 9-11, but you know, like right, I was alive. Right. When my seventh grade teacher started telling it like a story, then I was like, oh, this history book is not so much of just chapters. It's like, here's the beginning of time. And now let's read a book about it. Yeah, because we are living history. Right. Like we're here because of the things that happened before us or else we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And I think that the best teachers and, and I'm the same way, the, the history teachers that I had or just the teachers in general that I had that told a story that I could relate to mm-hmm. and understand on a, on, on a level that feels personal because it really should be that's the point of learning history is it's supposed to teach you about yourself it's supposed to teach you about you know your fellow humans around you your community and the world at large that's the entire um thing that you're supposed to glean from learning history and the reason that you know you remember something that happened to you so well is because those were moments that you're not going to forget because you had to learn you had to change in that in that moment yeah that's why you have that memory because something occurred in your life that caused you to have a paradigm shift Mm. or that caused you to okay i'm not going to make that mistake again right and that's why you remember that and that's Ah. why you don't remember like a ton of stuff that like didn't matter because it didn't affect your life right whoa that's so wild we change Every day. It's so cool. I know, but this is kind of like making me realize like, well, why do I remember Steve Carlson's sandwich meat Yeah, from high school? I would love to dig into this. Man, that's going to be like a whole therapy session, I think. <laughs> <laughs> did you maybe not have as much lunch meat as he did at lunchtime? Yeah, I mean, he was like wealthier than me. So maybe yeah. this was like a thing where I'm like, whoa, some Power people move. can like afford to eat a lot of meat at once. That's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got to stretch out my like Oscar Mayer bologna all week. Totally. But this dude's just like like casing the joint in, right. in one go. Here's a tip on bologna. Number one, don't eat it. Number two, <laughs> spell it the way it should be spelled. <laughs> Why is it like that? Why are you doing that to us? That's so different than how it sounds. B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Yeah, I think it's, ugh, I don't want to be wrong, but I think it's- <laughs> Me all the it's, time. It's totally not an English word. It's like so it's German bologna. or something. Yeah, And then we can't say that because we're Americans, so we say bologna. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of food, actually, the name of the food came from the its origin. And this is still this huh. way. So like champagne comes yes. from Champagne, France. Like tequila comes from tequila in Mexico, I believe. I'm sure. And um, even like uh, the hamburger, oh. um, you know, that originally was like a meat sandwich that people from Hamburg uh, uh, would sell in New York City. Im- immigrants from Hamburg, right. like, you know, 120 years ago would set up. Like, here's our, like, hamburgers. Right. And now we just call these sandwiches hamburgers, and we don't think twice about why it's called that. Because totally. it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, Bologna, Bologna is in Italy, and I did not know this, but now we do. <laughs> okay, so it's Italian. But I don't like it. Do you like bologna? Uh, you know, have you ever had, like, artisanal bologna, like fancy bologna? So I was in Vienna Okay. Last year, uh-huh. and they had some bologna there 
for breakfast, like breakfast bologna. This sounds so much grosser than I it swear really does. it is. I'm honestly not salivating. I'm no, okay. honestly parched. Right. <laughs> just like never going to eat just again. I just feel like I drink sand, honestly. Uh, yeah. Wait, okay. So I'm looking up a picture of artisanal bologna, which I feel like is an oxymoron. Um, why does it just look like shaved erasers? That's all. what it is. So it's super, super <laughs> thin. So like our like American bologna is like this thick, weird disc of yeah. like mystery meat. But over there, it's like a cured like f- Are we talking about this one that thing. has like pistachios in it? Or is it, this is mortadella? Wait, is that a cheese? Oh, I don't know. I think we're way out of our comfort zone here. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. I know nothing about meat except for that I like it. Well, I go, okay, I will try bologna when I am next in Italy. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I think my paradigm has shifted when I had the bologna sandwich, and I just hate it. If you could give one descriptive word for the way bologna tastes, what would you choose? The way it tastes? Uh, Hot dog. It's hot doggy. It's hot dog ass. It is. It's like a cold, flat hot dog, except when it's like the artisanal one. Then it tastes like a a good thing. But what I should, you should know, and what I hope that all of your listeners understand and take away from this podcast and my appearance on it, Uh is that if you get some Oscar Mayer bologna and you take a, a slice in your hand and you throw it against the wall, it'll stick. Will it? Totally. Every time. Well, not every time. Okay, you have well... to get the surface area like good, like so that it creates a suction. <laughs> sure. See, like if you just like bash like a corner of it, it'll flop off. But if you get it like to straight on uh, uh, fly against the wall, uh-huh. oh, it'll stay there. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Try it. I will. Okay. Uh, another thing that flips and stays at one point or uh, flips and always falls in a specific way are Vans shoes. Have you seen this? No. On the internet? What do you mean? How? Like, so mad already. Well, I don't even know what that means. If you, like, the brand Vans of their shoe, they, like, make skateboarding shoes. If you throw a Vans shoe down, it just flips and falls on right side up every single time. Like, the sole of the shoe, I think, is made so in a way that it will always land right side up. Wow. So you can't get it to land. No. Upside down. Granted, I've only tried one time because Mm -hmm. I saw so many people doing it. And I was like, let me be a part of this experiment. (laughs) And it worked. And I I didn't want to like conduct a full on experiment. And so I did it one time and I was like, oh, I believe it. Right. Crazy. Now, yeah, it happened once. So it must happen every (laughs) single time. And uh, no one can convince me otherwise. (laughs) It's so I love the Internet for mainly that reason is they whatever happens on Twitter is Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Uh-oh. <laughs> Look at me. I know things. Uh, that is always like, oh, that's so crazy that that happened. But who also had the time to figure it out? But at the fact that they did and I didn't have to spend my time figuring out that van shoes will always land right side up. Right. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. <laughs> the right way to peel a banana, the right way to open up a pineapple. Mm-hmm. I've learned all of this stuff from Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's too much information. Maybe we've gone too, too far. You yeah. know too much. I... Agree. We know too much dumb stuff. But I'm like, how how much of our brains do we use? What percentage? The whole thing. (gasps) Wait. ah! I've been lied to my whole life. Yeah, that's a myth. Oh, my God. Tell me everything. Oh, uh, gosh. I'm not going to be able to remember this off the top of my head. But that that idea that we're only using 10% of our brain came from like one guy in like 1959. He wrote a paper 
And he said that in that paper, but it's, huh. that's not true. Like we, we use our whole brain. I mean, if you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, like our everything that we have in our body serves a function, mm-hmm. you know, and it's there for a reason because we've evolved over, well, millions of years mm-hmm. um, to be how we are today. And everything that we didn't use, you know, gets kind of sloughed off along the way. Right. So- there's no reason why we would have a brain the size that we do. And our brain in ratio to like our body is is the biggest in in um in on earth. You right. know, like our brain compared to the rest of our body is like weirdly huge. Mm-hmm. And to think that we would only use ten percent of that right. is absurd. So why did it go why do people still think that now? Even me, like right before this, I thought that was true. Well, I think to some degree there's probably a little bit of like a romantic idea that if only we could unlock yeah, yeah. the other ninety percent we could fly. Right. Or whatever, Aww. you know that like we love potential. Yeah. It just comes like, down to that. Yeah. yeah. Like I know that there's more to me uh than meets oh, the eye. So <laughs> Like, did you know that you only use 10% of your brain? Well, I'm going to figure out how to use, you know, 12. And that's, you know, Einstein could use 14%. You know, I'm just making things up. Yeah. But that could be part of it. Just like a psychological, like, desire Mm -hmm. to be more than we are. Wow. That's wild that I thought all this time that that was real. Of course I didn't fact check it. I hear one thing and I believe it. I'm so gullible. That's why the internet is bad for me. Well, it's it's easy to get caught up in that. And I've caught myself in that before. Like I had a conversation with somebody once where I did the thing where I was like, do you know oh, God, yeah. that lobsters are immortal? <laughs> and they... I would love to hear what you guys were talking about before that. What the segue was to get into lobsters being immortal. Oh, it could be anything with me, but we, that's where we ended up. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, and I was like, yeah, the only way they die is if, you know, something eats them or there's some like accident or something. Otherwise, right. they would live forever. And then I I took a beat and I was like, <laughs> is that true? Like, why do I, why did I say that? Why do I think that's true? And I Googled it and it's totally not. It's totally not true. And you just read it on the internet and I it kind of so. like submitted to your memory. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think somebody said it once, you know, who knows where. Yeah. And I was like, that's probably true. <laughs> I No, I'm the same way The there was an Incubus song that said uh, something, I forget. Actually, I have the, uh, the internet with all the information in front of me right now. Incubus. Uh, it's a song called Diamonds and Coal. And he says... Uh, in spite of this, we're doing just fine. Even diamonds start as coal. Give us time to shine. Even diamonds start as coal. And I was referencing it in a video. And I was like, it was like this motivational video. And I was like, if you're under a lot of pressure, I made some sort of, you know, I got from point A to point B saying diamonds start as coal. And then I was like, I feel like I heard that that's not true. And then I looked it up and it is not true. <laughs> diamonds don't start as coal. I don't know where they are, but they don't start from coal. And this whole time, Incubus has lied to me just for a cute little ditty. Well, you know what uh, this reminds me of, and this has always bothered me? Like, let's get into a Rihanna song that bothers me. Oh, na-na-na, come on. (laughs) No, I don't have any problem with that. You love that one. (laughs) You know, those those lyrics are not offensive to me. Na-na-na, come on. No, like diamonds in the sky. Oh. Bothers me. Yeah, is that hail? 
There are no diamonds in the sky. sky. There's star. Okay, if you say like a star twinkles like a diamond, that's the simile. But you're (laughs) saying a simile is like a diamond in the sky. Right. And it's like, yo. But yeah, I can't relate. That's not how that works. That's not how diamonds or weather works, Rihanna. (laughs) What does she say? So shine so bright. Uh, we're beautiful like diamonds in the sky. Yes, that does not make sense. No, no, it does. I'm like, I know what she's getting Shine at. like a diamond. But it's like... In the sky. The stars are in the sky and they perhaps twinkle <laughs> like a diamond. But we're like getting far removed from like what's going on here. <laughs> yes. Like you're cutting out the middleman. <laughs> Between the star and the shining, and you're just going straight into the analogy and throwing those into the air. And I'm like, come on. Come on, Rihanna. Come on. I see what you're doing here. I don't like it. Maybe she doesn't have another reference point except for diamonds. And maybe she can't be related to because she's so rich. (laughs) I mean, that's probably what it is. (laughs) We're just taking scabs. Gross. We're taking stabs. <laughs> just, Can you imagine someone that just pickpockets scabs off of people? Just steals them? Someone does that. You say that, but someone there's somebody sure that does definitely that. does that. That's yeah. disgusting. That's you, their thing. Wait, where do you think they put them? Like, what kind of cup do they put them in when they get home? A they cup? Get... I was thinking a jar because you'd seal it. Oh, yeah, like a mason jar. Right. Which I use as cups because I'm oh. a hipster piece of shit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so trendy. <laughs> So horrifically and painfully trendy. Yeah, okay. I just drink out of a boot. That's how cool I am. <laughs> I just just pour. Oh my God. Like an Acme cartoon. <laughs> that is hilarious. Okay, well, this is a good time for us to take a break while Kevin gives us an extra piece of advice you can find on at Just a Tip Podcast on Instagram. And we'll be right back. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. I was going to do some annoying uh, wicka wicka, chicka chicka type of DJ scratch. And I decided against it, but now I said it. And now it's... Uh, it's out there. It's Now it's out there. So at least you guys have that in your ears. Kevin is here taking a break from getting smarter to be dumb with us in the studio. But before we get into act number two, what are you currently obsessed with that you cannot get enough of in your life right now? 
that other people need to know about. Wow, what am I currently obsessed with? I... It sounds weird, but just kind of making things. And <gasps> like that's with so, your hands or making things like uh, producing stuff. Uh, producing stuff. So, yeah. So there are a couple of artists that I'm working with. So I love art. So my, my Instagram, like who I follow, it's like, yeah. okay, mandatory friends and family. <laughs> mandatory. Uh, video game collectors, because I'm a nerd like that. Uh-huh. And then just artists that blow me away. Cool. And that's been one of the things with Instagram... And, and Tumblr, too, to an extent Ooh. that I find just endlessly, like, amazingly invaluable is, is having instant access every day to get inspired by amazing artists for yeah. free. It's ridiculous that we can do that. Totally. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, you had, I don't know, comic books mm-hmm. and cartoons when they were on, I guess, to see cool art and then the occasional museum. But when you're a kid, you don't appreciate that at all. Mm-hmm. So now and I feel like the old man in my rocking chair now talking about like days before the internet. But uh, I remember it. Yeah. I remember dial up, not being able to be on the phone when my dad was on the computer. Mm-hmm. Horrific. Yeah. And, and now just the, the amount of just awe inspiring art that you have at your fingertips. So, um, so yeah, that's what I'm obsessed with is not only appreciating the art, but actually working with the artists to commission them, to pay them so to cool. do stuff for me. So, uh, a t-shirt design from one artist that I really love, uh, for, uh, the create unknown. Mm-hmm. I'm working with him on that. And then an intro animation, a hand-drawn intro animation <sighs> for the show. When we launch season two, it's going to be a video podcast. Cool. And this, ugh, this animator who I've admired literally for years I just sent him an email. I was like, hey, I'll pay you X amount of dollars to do a thing for me. And he was like, all right, it'll be done by next week. I'm like, this is so cool. Like, this is so amazing. The the access that we have now to such unbelievably talented people all over the world. This dude's in Argentina, okay? He's literally in Argentina. I would never in a million years have an opportunity to know him if it weren't for me just finding him online. And now I can just talk to him and we can work together. Yeah. Did you find him on like a hashtag on Instagram or did you like a Tumblr or a stumble upon? Have you ever used that site? <laughs> no. You never used stumble upon? No, no, oh, no. Oh, you would love it. I think you would. Yeah, I think I think I I followed a bunch of kind of aggregator accounts that oh, okay. posts art that post artists and you know the good ones, I won't follow ones that don't credit the artists well, yeah. ever because that's garbage. Right. And uh, don't don't support ever. those types of accounts. Right. But the ones that obviously do credit the artists, I like following because it's such an easy way to discover new people that, you know, you fall in love with their yeah. their talent. Do you have one of those aggregator accounts that people should know about? Like if anybody is really interested in art, what's one off the top of your head that they would maybe find a lot of cool artists from? Um well, one that I really like is just called, I think, 70s sci-fi. Okay. So that's like older art. You know, obviously it's from from the 70s, but right. I find that stuff really inspiring because it's such a unique era mm-hmm. of of art, those like fantasy novels and like the sci-fi novels that they, that they did back then. So that's one good one, and they always credit the artists, and I found uh, out a bunch of uh, creative people uh, through that. But yeah, quite honestly... You can just search stuff like 80s artwork, 90s artwork or whatever and just spend an hour or two flipping through accounts and it's so easy. Oh, I mean, I spent an hour or two flipping through people's accounts that I don't know, but like we're dating someone I knew. (laughs) 
<laughs> I spend too much time on the internet. But speaking of very similar accounts, there's one on Twitter called Rediscovering Cinema. Have you seen this one? No. It's really cool. They they post uh, BTS and I guess like fun little things that you would have never seen from the film or like a, a fun fact from any of like classic films. It's so cool to see. There was one I think of, I think it was The Shining or something, which I can't watch because I'm too scared. <laughs> but I can watch BTS of it because I can I can see that it's fake. <laughs> but right. Even when I tell myself it's fake, I know it's real. And so that's why I can't watch movies. Yeah, but that behind the scenes stuff is amazing yeah. because the things that they do and the things that they invent in mm-hmm. order to just get like literally one four second shot. Yep. It's like, here's this insane rig that we built so that Mary Poppins could like slide into a bathtub backwards. Right. For a split second. So And we cool. had to build this like water slide <laughs> and right. like a bathroom on top of the water slide and then a bathtub that like concealed the top of the slide. Right. And and there's our like two second Mary Poppins going into a bathtub shot. That's so cool. I was thinking about this the other day that like people, <laughs> this is going to sound really dumb, but then let me, give me a sec to explain that like all of us are just grown up kids. And I think that we forget that a lot. We're just like, oh, we're in the workforce and we're, you know, going on set and we have to do this stuff. But it's also like, Oh, you know what it was? It was because I was listening to people on the radio and they were like explaining that they were the kids that were getting in trouble in class for talking while the teacher was talking. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, oh, but now you're getting rewarded for your kind of rebellious nature and behavior. And being a loud mouth. Yeah. Right. Right. And now you're getting paid to do that. Yeah. And I think it's so cool. Like people that had to build the slide, maybe they were the ones, you know, messing with like paper in the back of class or maybe they were didn't do their homework, but they were just making like Rube Goldberg machines. And now they're doing that for a living. I think it's so cool. Well, and I think that that's one of the 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 greatest things about school, you know, just to get back to what we were talking about earlier about like not necessarily remembering, you know, the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah. Like that's okay. But, you know, the most important thing is to, to, to learn what you like, you know, learn what you don't like, learn your limitations, learn your strengths. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to do that on your own. You really kind of need to be around a lot of different people, um, a, a diverse range of people, and, and, and not kind of be stuck in that rut where you're like, well, you know, you're not learning anything. Yeah. You're not learning anything about yourself and what you could do. Uh, I mean, that was definitely the case for me in school. I actually dropped out of the first college that I went to. I went mm-hmm. for computer science, and I learned that that wasn't for me. Yeah, same. Like the 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 other kids and the that like my fellow classmates that were computer science guys, they were obsessive with it. You right. know, they would sit in front of the computer and code, and they would love it. And I wouldn't. I was like, I I can't. Like this is not for me. Yeah, so, totally. Um, so then when I ended up going, uh, I went to a different school and a roommate of mine took a film class and he Ugh. needed somebody to hold a camera for him. I love this. I held the camera for him and yeah. I was like, wait, yeah, 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 I yeah. can make movies? Sure. Like I could just do that? Like that's a thing that I, like me, Kevin, like I could make stuff for other people to watch? Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. And that's when I, you know, fell in love with video and, you know, eventually YouTube came along and 
that is sort of like the the rest is history sort of thing. That's so cool. I feel like, were you ever, well, okay, I guess not since that was the first time holding a camera, but in your school, your high school, did you have an AV club? No. Oh, you didn't have like the news channel or anything? Nothing like that. No, my school was not that advanced. Like we did (laughs) not have anything beyond, you know, your chemistry, your math, your history. Right. It was just bare, it was very bare bones. There was nothing creative. So I didn't get to experience any Mm. sort of creative classes until college. And that's why it was so important for me. Like I I didn't actually want to go to college. I wanted to start a band and just like work in restaurants. Cool. And my parents were like, yeah, (laughs) probably not. Uh, Maybe you should like like give it another chance basically. So I was like, all right, fine. All right, fine. I I guess I'll give it. and, And that, you know, I gave it another chance. Um, I ended up uh, switching to a film major. I ended up becoming the editor of the comedy section of the school newspaper. So cool. I ended up becoming the director of an improv comedy sketch group. Like all of this yeah, stuff like never turn. would have happened uh, if I had just stayed home and, you know, washed dishes. Right. But also it wouldn't have happened if you weren't honest with yourself as saying like, I'm not down with this computer science thing. Right. Right. Yeah, you do. That is a really important lesson to learn is that, um, you know, I think that we had a question earlier about a girl who was struggling uh, with, uh, you know, going to school for science. And it's like, you know, at some point, maybe you do need to have a conversation with yourself Mm -hmm. about what it is that you are passionate about, because at the end of the day, that's where you're going to find the most success. Yep. Is the thing that you're going to wake up and just do all day and all of a sudden it's like nine o'clock and you're like, what happened? (laughs) Like that's what you want to be doing. That's so cool. That's always so hard. I love that uh, in theory. And sometimes I, I get caught up in it too because like I love what I do. But sometimes it is really, especially like running the business side of it, you know, as a creative, it's like you just want to be creative, but Mm -hmm. you can't now. It's like all these little kids, they're like not just triple threats, they're like quadruple quintuplet threats. I don't know. (laughs) What's the word for five, but not a child? But not a child? But like, yeah. I think quintuplet. Like what's the word for five? Not like a triple threat, not a quadruple threat. It wouldn't be quintuple. Yeah, I would go with quintuple. That makes sense. Okay, cool. But yeah, every sextuple, septuple, octuple, octuple, nonatuple. I'm just going off of octogenarian and nonagenarian, just like 80 and 90 year olds. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. I don't know. I think it's probably all Latin. I don't. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it up to Baloney to figure that out. But uh, everyone has to be so multifaceted now that I feel like if you are a creative, we can't get logged into doing something for so long because we also have to do the business side of it. And that can sometimes deter us from wanting to do it as much as we wanted to. Like sometimes I'll just be like, oh, I want to dance all day. But then I've got to figure out how to make money. I totally know how that goes. I just want to dance all day. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think the trick is, I mean, it's not just being like a YouTuber or being a creative. It's really being kind of an entrepreneur. Yeah. That's really what you're talking about is Mm -hmm. being an entrepreneur. And, and the trick is, is to get to a point where you're able to hire out some of the responsibilities right. that, you know, maybe you're not the best video editor in the world. Like you could do it and people like the way you edit, but there's probably somebody who's better at just that thing right. than you are. And they would love to get paid to mm-hmm. do that because, you know, they need money too. And now you're supporting somebody else's 
life, totally. which is like the most amazing thing in the world is yeah. giving other people jobs. I love it. So I think that, but you also have to be willing to give up a level control. of control. Yeah. And that that's took something me a people totally time. struggle with. It could take years, but it has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm cracking right now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but sometimes, you know, it takes that crack where yeah. all of a sudden you, you know, you hear about burnout. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, you hear about that all the time and it's like, well, you know, there could be a way to avoid this if you just start giving up some of that responsibility and allowing other people to you know carry the ball for you right that took me so long to learn that it took me the burning out and the cracking in order to open up my mind it was almost like that crack was the open of my mind to go oh i could possibly have someone help so that this doesn't happen again but i i didn't uh like preemptively do this for myself. It was only after the fact. It was almost like I was reacting to something instead of being proactive of thinking, oh, I could burn out if I don't stop all of this control. Yeah, it's hard to do that. You yeah. Know? So, so that's what I, you know, is, I, I essentially think of things like that as watershed moments. Yeah. So, totally. uh, you know, almost every big decision or every big break, whether it's like within society or just interpersonal or within yourself, often needs that catalyst, that watershed moment where you're mm-hmm. like, you know what, I'm, I can't keep doing things this way anymore. And, and once you have that moment, then you have to take the steps in order to change things mm-hmm. for the better. And, and, and it's hard to preemptively, like before having that moment, right. just say like, maybe I'll have a watershed moment someday <laughs> yeah. where this will be bad if I don't change. You know, it's hard to, to have that sort of foresight. Yeah, I think that's very helpful. I don't think I've ever touched on that on this pod before. So thank you for exploring that with me. But for our next segment, we do not have a jingle right now for our next segment for a myriad of reasons. But in the meantime of me getting a jingle, or maybe I won't, I will defer to you, Kevin, to fill in the silence after I introduce it. Is this okay? You can also just say anything. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, sure. (laughs) You can recite the Lord's Prayer if you want. Uh, you can do anything you will. Actually, we probably don't have the copyrights to the Lord's Prayer. The, who that, does? The Lord, I think. Yeah, I guess the Lord yeah, would have yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, we could always ask for forgiveness. To license it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. And now for a segment called Tip Jar. This is the part of the show where we take to Twitter for a segment we call Tip Jar. I'm going to read a short suggestion that was tweeted at me, and you and I will have to weigh in with our two cents on each subject. Let's go. First suggestion is public speaking. Do you have one quick tip for public speaking? Oh boy, just just do it. You know, I I, I took a public speaking class because okay. it was mandatory in school, mm-hmm. and I really didn't like it. You know, I was very shy, and and I still am. But when it came to time to do my speech, I had a lot of support in the class from people who you know. We're like, you you could be really good at this. Like oh, cool. just 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 give it a shot. And and I did and it went fine. And actually a girl who was in that class was the director of the comedy group that I told you about. Yeah. And so then she was like, you know, I think you're really funny. You should try out for my comedy thing. And it was the same thing. I was like, I don't know, like going up on stage yeah. and then performing like improv in front of 
like literally hundreds of people who paid to right, come right. to the show. Like this wasn't a free show. Like it cost money. Um, that sounds really scary, but she kind of just made me. She was like, look, <laughs> I know that you would be good at this. Like, please just come to the audition. Yeah. Just show up to the audition. You know, maybe you'll make it. If you don't, then you don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, then cry forever, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because you actually do stink. <laughs> um, but for me, it was just saying yes. Yeah. Because it's really easy to just say no mm-hmm. to opportunities that really could be great for you, even if you may not realize it right now. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're scared of something that shows you that you should do it, maybe not all the time, but like in my experience, when I was really scared to do improv comedy or try stand up, I was like, oh, I'll never do it because I'm so afraid to fail. I'm so afraid to not be liked. But then it, I was like, it is always in the back of my mind, like, what if I was able to? That sounds like it'd be so much fun. And the fact that it frightened me was really a, a sign that I needed to go explore that, just to know what it was like and to be able to say that I did it. Yeah, yeah. And that that that's such a weird thing, to be able to say that I did it. But it's such a powerful thing, too, yeah. because I feel the same way about a lot of things like this. So last year... Uh, TEDx asked me to do a talk. So cool. And I was like, oh no, this is so scary. Yeah. Like, this is such an opportunity yeah. of a lifetime that I think a lot of people would be over the moon to, to you know, get flown to Vienna to do a TEDx oh, talk. Yeah, that's why I went and ate that's the bologna. Wow. Yes, it's all full circle. Sure. <laughs> Just like bologna. Exactly. Um, and that was that was the thing. I was like, you know, I should just do this so that I know afterwards that I could say that I did. Wow. And and that, for some reason, just sounds like it's not a big deal, but it's enough. Oh, God, it's huge. It's totally enough to just, you know, take a leap to 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 not have that regret later in life that you didn't. Because, right. gosh, you often may only have one shot at things like this. And if you don't take it, then... Man, I, I would think that I would feel a lot worse about regretting not trying than if I did it and it didn't go very well. Absolutely. Because then you have the what if lingering and looming all over. What When you were preparing for the TEDx talk, what helped you a lot in kind of planning what you were going to talk about and then actually delivering it and executing it the way that you wanted? Well, I mean, I've had so much experience um, with Vsauce 2, writing scripts that that helped a lot. So I I drew from a couple of videos that I had already done a lot of research on. Cool. So uh, and also the the event itself had a theme. So oh, okay. the theme was um, a word they made up called simplexity. They okay. just combined simple and and complex to simplexity. And so with that theme in mind, I came up with a concept of talking about how insanely complex simple things around us are Mm -hmm. like a doorknob you know everybody uses a doorknob multiple times a day to open and close every door you go through yeah but do you know how one works couldn't tell you no 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 (laughs) it's crazy it's actually super amazing and intricate and all of the little parts that have to like do this little ballet, this little engineering ballet within yeah. the doorknob to like pull the latch out out of the recess of the door and then to go back when you let go. Like right. All this stuff that we don't even think about. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we just think about uh, whatever. I'm going to open up the door and, and close it, and it just works. But you know, I'm thinking about you know an episode of Friends that was really funny last night. Right, right, because right. Because that's what you know. That's what normal that's what people think about. Us. Yes, that is what matters. <laughs> you know, Joey Tribbiani and uh, <laughs> Rachel Geller, whatever. Um, whatever. You know, so so that's what it was about. It yeah. was kind of like the hidden complexity of simple objects all around us. And I spent a long time on it because I knew that I wanted to nail it. Yeah. Were you nervous when you were delivering it or after like three minutes in or 30 seconds in, were you like, okay, I, ha- I have my groove now? Yeah. It's it's hard to say because I don't know how it is for everyone. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Really? Yeah. Where like I'm not really thinking about it anymore. It's just kind of happening. Sure. And I know that sounds like sort of creepy. And I'm like kind of like a possessed monster, like delivering a speech. Yeah. But it is like that. And it was like that actually when I did this, the comedy in college too. Mm. I would just kind of distance myself from the fear of being on stage and almost just kind of be in the moment um, as, gosh, this is going to sound really weird. Just Yeah. Like a vessel of entertainment. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's okay. So if you could give one quick tip for public speaking, it would be just go with it. I would definitely try it. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. would definitely like it. Because look, there have been studies that say that people are more afraid of public speaking than death. Mm -hmm. Like it's that is so 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 that should inform you. First of all, you're not alone. Yeah. It's not like you have some weird, like crazy phobia of like balloons or something and people are going to make fun of you. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Which it's okay if you are afraid of balloons. Yeah. Um, They pop. They scare me. Yeah. You could stretch them and make awful sounds. Okay. I get it. But everyone almost is afraid of public speaking. Yeah. This is not like a weird thing you should feel bad about. Right. My thing is like, since we all are scared of this, why do people make us do best man speeches? Best man? I had to do a, a bet. What's it? It's not a best girl. What's the girl version? The maid of That's honor? Right. Maid of honor. <laughs> Woo. Uh, I had to do a maid of honor speech. And I'm like, why? Why do I have to do this? Like, I would love to tell you all the nice things, but also why do I have to tell it in front of all these people that are, don't even care about what I'm saying and they just want to eat the food? I feel too much pressure, and that's on me. But it's like we all are scared of it, but we all have to do it at weddings. Yeah. Mean. Well, it's, it's – look, it's, it goes back to the fact that, you know, we, we really connect – with each other through language, through stories. Yeah. And oh, like somebody's yeah. got to stand up and tell the story of, you know, right. your best friend who chose you as her maid of honor. Oh. And like why she did that is because, you know, well, you know, I've known, I don't know why I'm talking like this. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've known Gracie since fourth grade when we did, you know, Irish dancing together and or whatever it is. And people right. are listening. They love that because that's why they're there. It's a celebration of yeah. that person. I guess know. I have PTSD from my speech. Why? Because it Did was it go- so bad. Oh. It was horrific. And if I, Okay, here's my tip for me. Why was it speaking. so bad? Um, I think it was just so verbose. And I also didn't know what I was talking about. And I was trying to make it funny. Here's a tip on being funny. Don't try. Because when you try to be funny, it feels like my skin is being peeled with a potato peeler. (laughs) Like, it is 
bad. And my whole speech was that way. I was trying to crack these jokes and I was trying to do like some ridiculous stand-up format that I had no idea about. And I knew that like I had hosted before and so I knew stalling for people. And so I was just like, oh, until I get my next thought of mm-hmm. where I was in my script that are on the plane on the way there that I could just ramble in between. Turns out that's not a good idea. Right. And you should make it more succinct. My my tip for public speaking at weddings is the shorter the better. But I'll land on something sentimental. Make a few ha-has. If they're natural, don't right. push for a joke. But I would say like make it like three minutes and then sit down. Mine was like 10. Yeah, that's a little long. Yeah. That's a little long. It's well. a little rambly. But <laughs> have you you've done stand-up before? Only recently. Oh, okay. I'm not. How a did stand-up. that go? Um, it was very treacherous. Okay. But it was easier than I it would have been years ago because like after the podcast and hosting and kind of finding my voice on YouTube and mm-hmm. having to edit myself and understanding what's not funny and what like speaking in a normal register is like when I first started YouTube I was overcompensating for everything and so I was yelling at the camera and my voice was super high for some reason you were Fred basically <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the first iteration of my channel was actually the Fred channel uh, and I just I felt uncomfortable because I was out of my comfort zone and it was new territory and I didn't know who I was mm-hmm. and so I was trying to pull out all the stops of what I thought would have worked and kind of like what I think is funny, but also just not authentic fully. So when I did stand up recently, I I was able to, you know, have a real perspective that was my own and, you know, not trying to do something I thought that people would like. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm not like a dirty comedian in any sort of way yeah and so like i stuck to being like pretty clean and i remember like pushing for jokes and that felt bad Mm -hmm. it felt so bad because when you think you're gonna get a joke and it doesn't get a laugh you want to crawl inside and like well because everybody knows so that's why i was gonna ask like i'm hot right now like i'm actually (laughs) profusely sweating i feel like a, a sprinkler yeah, because everybody knows that you think that they should be laughing and then they're not. Oh my God, because I I did it a few times and it didn't go well for yeah. the same exact reasons. Right. As I'm like, here are my jokes and here's where they're going to laugh. Oh, they didn't. So right. now what? And it's like, well, now I just maybe shouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll go home and make a video where people will laugh maybe. maybe. And if they don't, we won't see it. I won't know. Yeah. So it won't feel so bad. <laughs> Do you have a tip on ride-sharing apps like Uber or Lyft or is there another one? I think those are the only two. A tip? No. Should there be tips? I don't even know what that would entail. Yeah, I mean, um, here's uh, – let's see. Okay, this is – Wear your seatbelt. That's my tip. Oh, really? What else do you do? I hardly – You sit down, put on your seatbelt, and then you get someplace. Well, I guess there could be like conversation tips or like – Oh, I don't like talking, so – Yeah, don't do that. No, no. Could never. Whenever the Uber – uh, driver starts talking I'm like oh I w- yeah. one time I got a, th- a driver and it said on the app like 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 positives great conversation no, guy uh-uh. and I'm like no that's a negative cancel cancel yeah. cancel <laughs> don't pick me up I uh one time I was on a date with this guy and this is a tip if you want to I guess either show off or 
I don't know. Okay, so I'll just tell you a story real quick. So I was on a date with this guy, and he had to leave, and so he ended up getting an Uber SUV, like a black car, like one of those big, big ones, and he was going to Santa Monica, which is like very far from where we were, and so I was like, whoa, that's a baller move, but I didn't think anything of it aside from like, oh, maybe this is how he travels because he was also like 6'4", and I was like, maybe he needs the leg room out of necessity, but then I was on a date once, and I was going to, the guy's phone died, and so I was like, okay, I I will um I'll order a car and like you can go to your house and then I'll just continue to take the car to mine because we didn't live too far away and so I was like I'm gonna pull the uber suv black car thing <laughs> and so I order it for no reason and I don't know what the guy felt like but I think he like made a comment when we were walking out and he was like oh and that was it just the word oh and then but did you ever talk about it again no that uh-uh. was just the end. That was it. All right. So maybe that's not a good tip. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe don't do that. I, I don't know. Like that uh, that reply could go for everything that I've ever said. <laughs> uh, it's probably not a good tip. <laughs> it definitely makes an impression. Right. But we don't know what that impression is. No. But they'll remember it. <laughs> they will. Okay. Let's hit two more of these. Um, do you have a quick tip on beaches? Oh, I'm such a bad person to ask about that. You're a bad beach guy? Yeah, I'm like not the beach guy. Bad beach boy? I'm such a horrible, like, I'm bad at like going outside guy. Yeah. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, like I'm so pale, I'm like translucent. (laughs) You know, I go to the phlebotomist and they're like, wow, you're the easiest patient I've ever had because I could see every single one of your veins. That's (laughs) So you don't go to the beach. Oh, my, I sunburn so, so bad. Really? Yeah, I did. uh, My wife and I did ancestry dna for christmas okay for fun and i got the thing back and, and it was just like irish that's it just it like, irish 100%. It like you are very irish you're more <laughs> irish than you can imagine <laughs> they didn't even have percentages it just said no. very irish they just mailed me a shamrock i'm like <laughs> what does this mean <laughs> oh my god okay so i guess a beach tip could be spf Lots of sunscreen. Yeah. Don't skimp on it and reapply. There's my tip. Reapply. Because you know what I learned about sunscreen? This will be my tip. It's just like a insight. Is the number on sunscreen is not how, not potent it is, but it's not how hard it works. So like 80 proof is not better than 10. It's just that's how many minutes you're covered from sun damage. Oh, that's what the number means? I think so. Oh, are we sure? Well, no, but is I that guess. A, I don't think so. This might be a lobster's live forever moment. How long does SPF 10 last? It says 30 minutes. Okay, well, so we're wrong. <laughs> okay, you're wrong. I did not offer up this information. And uh, that's fine. That's okay. You I, offered up no information. I, yeah, I, I said stay home. Get Just don't go to the beach. My SPF story that I'm probably wrong about is that the numbers mean absolutely nothing Ooh. after a certain one. It's like after SPF like 35 or okay. something. Anything beyond that is like marketing. I believe that. They're just trying to sell you a better tube of toothpaste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What toothpaste do you use? Whatever is the whitening thing. Even though I'm like, is this working? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe is it's it a placebo really working? thing. Working? Working? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. I don't know. I had a, I had a, one of the, the toothpaste brands approach me once about doing a, a brand deal for them. Yeah. About their whitening toothpaste Mm. and i pitched to them i was like listen this is what we're going to do we're going to 
get like a tank, like a truck tank full of your like chemical that the hydrogen peroxide, whatever it is that's different about your brand that makes teeth whiter. And we're going to clean the side of a dirty building with it. I love it. How cool would that be? Very. They passed. Huh. We didn't do it. We, we they were like, we yeah, didn't do we're, it. we're just we're not gonna. They were work like, we'll just you. get someone that'll just take a pick. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna pay somebody to Instagram their nice white teeth. Right. We're not gonna clean dirty buildings for you. <laughs> I have a toothpaste tip. We'll end on a toothpaste tip. How's Sounds that? good. Yeah. Uh, it's my other podcast. <laughs> it's a toothpaste tip. Uh, it's very just one note. So my toothpaste tip is put toothpaste on pimples before you go to sleep. And when you wake up, they should have dried them out enough to where you can pick them off your face. Back to scabs. You're the scab person. I'm a scab. Oh my gosh. You yes. have the jars. Here's my jar. <laughs> it's actually, this is my second one. The other one was fully full. <laughs> <laughs> I like to slosh it around. Really gross. Okay, so do you have a toothpaste tip we can end on? Yes, sure, I do. There oh, are uh, these wonderful little devices that you can get. That slide onto like the bottom of a toothpaste tube. Yes. That helps push along the toothpaste so mm-hmm. that you can empty it easier and you're not like rolling the thing up and like really trying to squeeze it. All you do is you just kind of slide it up like as you use more and more of the toothpaste and, um, you know, you get every less drop. So I don't know what they're called. That would probably be helpful, but yeah. they're probably just called <laughs> toothpaste tube things. Right. And I'm sure, you know. Amazon or the Wish app or something will have a the million Wish of them. App. We had really good tips. I feel very confident in this. Thank you for being here and helping everyone out. I think they did get helped out. Honestly. I hope so. Yeah. It's all we can hope for, actually. As long as they remember our, our baloney throwing anecdote. Yes, which I will be trying. Right. Yes. Good. Where can people find you on the internet? You have so many things, YouTube and podcasts. Let them know everything. Sure, yeah. You can find me on YouTube at Vsauce2, where I do math and science videos. You can also find my podcast, The Create Unknown, where I interview YouTubers. And you can find me on Instagram at Kev Lieber, Twitter, Kev Lieb, Vsauce2. I have so many accounts. Home it's address like... is... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go follow him. And if you have a sticky situation or a burning concern, email us at justatipshow at gmail.com and be sure to sign off sleepless in Seattle style so we don't out your true persona. Double points if you mention your age because that only helps us help you in the end. Also, if you want other things to do, I mean, off the top of my head, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment maybe telling us how wrong we were about sunscreen, maybe give us a better tip on sunscreen because we can also learn from you. Other than that, mainly the five stars thing. <laughs> Any last words, Kevin? Ba ba da ba ba ba. Really good. Thanks. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>